Welcome to Let Me Adjust My Ears, a weekly podcast about all things Disney and luxury travel. I'm Michelle from Making Memories Travel, your extra AF host. Grab your favorite cocktail and join me as we immerse ourselves in pixie dust and Disney vacations, minus the pint-sized entourage. Unravel the secrets of bougie travel and indulge in amusing conversations with fellow extra friends. Hold on tight to your ears as we launch right in. Hello, it is me, the OG memory maker of Making Memories Travel, Michelle, back at you from the recording studio, aka my walk-in closet at home in Austin, Texas. So I hope you enjoyed the live episode. Of course, I know the audio was not the same that you have come to expect, but nonetheless, it was fun and it has spawned um, along with The first four episodes, because we are now at episode five, spawned some questions. So I thought today would be fun to answer some listener questions and to rebut some hot takes from Disney influencers that I've got to share. So with no further ado, one of the first questions I had was about the Disney VIP tours, because I did mention them in relation to how it was different than the Universal VIP tour that I took last week. And you will also hear a little bit about one that we took in episode three from Ashley and Lauren, and also in a future episode with Crystal. All three of them have been on a VIP tour that I organized. So the first thing I want to say, the biggest difference to me is an experience aside. The actual biggest difference is price. It's much more expensive at Disney than it is at Universal. And the uh, Universal, you're not going through the express line. You are getting backdoored directly onto the attraction. So you're missing even what Disney would call the lightning lane queue. You are missing all that attraction backstory. Your guides will do their best to fill you in on that, but you are getting on and getting off and doing up to 11 attractions is what we did on my day. That is no pictures, no food stops, like you are hustling and it's about a seven hour tour. So 11 attractions in seven hours is That's just a shit ton. A Disney VIP tour, um, I think that we counted that um, if you are park hopping, if you get to 10 attractions, you have had an uber successful day. Like, And that is huge to get to 10 attractions because you do stop on a Disney VIP tour to take pictures or to get snacks and food. You can, if you want, to have a sit-down meal, too. And you are going through the lightning lanes. So you are still seeing parts of the queue, parts of the story of the attraction or the theming. And your guide stays with you um, pretty much the whole time and can also ride the attractions with you. 
That is the same at Universal in terms of your VIP guide can ride the attractions. Ours chose not to, whereas my Disney VIP guide, shout out yet again to Tommy, did choose to ride the attractions with us, which was great fun because we had an odd number of people. So it was awesome that he would jump in and we would fight over who would get to ride with him. So very, very different experiences and both worth their money in their own way. So we are going to do a full VIP Disney episode coming up, but that is just a quick answer to that question. Okay, the next question I had, and I love this question, was after I did my second episode all about Disney food, um, somebody wanted to know where to go for a good filet mignon. So there are actually plenty of places to go for good filet mignon at Walt Disney World. So I had to break it down. Like in the parks, Le Cellier in Canada at Epcot is really good. Also, it's not a filet necessarily, but I had the steak at Space 220, which was pretty freaking great. Um There is a filet at California Grill and Steakhouse 71. Both of those are at the Contemporary. They're good. I mean, Steakhouse 71 is a steakhouse and has can have a great piece of meat. I actually had one meal there that was not up to par. But absolutely, hands down, the best filet mignon anywhere at Walt Disney World. And this does include Disney Springs and even... Flying Fish, which, as you know, is one of my favorite restaurants, is the Yachtsman Steakhouse over at the Yacht Club Resort. It is phenomenal. And lately, I have been seeing reservations open there as early as, you know, three or four days before a a trip. Granted, it might be an 8.30 or 9 o'clock reservation, but, oh, my Lord, it is signature dining. It is probably one of the priciest restaurants at Disney right behind a Victorian Alberts and a Takumi Tei over at Epcot, but it is so worth it. Not just the filet is off the charts good, but their potatoes that go with that filet, off the charts amazing. And one of the best Bernays sauces ever. Like, you just can't go wrong. So that's my hot take on the filet mignon. Okay, what else do I have? Um... So before I do the the last question, because I actually had to do some research for the very last one, I want to take this opportunity to just kind of rebut um, some hot Disney takes from a very, very popular, obviously popular, I read it all the time, Disney Food Blog. And yes, I'm giving a shout out to Disney Food Blog. She doesn't have a podcast, so I can do that. But also because as knowledgeable and as expert as I am, I still read all of her content. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes she breaks Disney stories before I get them from Disney. So she's a good one to follow. But I will say, I don't think she's always right. So she just did an article. I say she because the owner is a she. But this one is by one of her press people. And Bria Milburn, if you're listening, I would love to have you on so that you can defend your choices. So this article is titled, If You Can Only Eat at One As in One Disney World Restaurant, Let It Be This One. And I'm going to be honest, I got this question from someone very recently. And so 
I, of course, have to just argue. So the one restaurant for the most Disney experience. And Brie says it is Be Our Guest. And as much as I like Be Our Guest, it has a fabulous dessert, the gray stuff. It is quite immersive in decor, but I'm sorry. Like, she gave an honorable mention to uh, the castle and Cindy's restaurant, but I'm sorry. You just don't get any more quintessential Disney experience than dining in the castle. And you know I mean it when I say that because I don't actually like the food at all at Cinderella's Royal Table. And unless my guests or my clients say we have to eat in the castle, it's not something that I recommend. But really, one meal at Disney and you want the classic Disney experience, it just doesn't come any better than Cinderella's Royal Table. I'm sorry. No arguments there. Okay. Breakfast in the parks. She says Crystal Palace, which I'm going to give her it's one of the best. It is with Pooh and Friends, Winnie the Pooh and Friends. So in that case, it is extremely unique. So I do believe in that. Like, I'm not going to say no to that. But (laughs) the best character breakfast in the parks is 100% Tusker House at Disney's Animal Kingdom. First of all, Donald is my main character. He is my main squeeze. I'm in love with Donald. Daisy, I apologize every time I see her because I love Donald Duck. But you get Donald, you get Mickey, you get Goofy, and they're dressed for safari. Sometimes Minnie, more likely Pluto. No, I'm sorry, Donald, Daisy, Mickey, and Goofy Once in a while, Goofy was replaced with Minnie. I have had Minnie at that character dining experience. I think it's fabulous for both breakfast and dinner. That's it. I have nothing more to say on that. Another one that I fully disagree with is her favorite character meal. Sheila's Garden Grill. Again, I'm going to say no. It does have Chip and Dale. Again, very unique experience. It was great during the pandemic because it was you were able to still really see the characters and interact with them because it's like a rotating restaurant. But the absolute best character meal at a resort, it's at the French Riviera, Disney's Riviera Resort. It's at the top at Topolino's Terrace. And you get Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, and they are all in artist gear. And it is the best food. And their characters are the best character interactions I've ever experienced at any character dining experience anywhere. It's just to die for good. And the food is great. And the service is all that too. Okay, that is my most favorite. Um, A stunning view. Yeah, she um, puts California Grill and I can't deny that. California Grill is a great view, but so is Narcoosie's which just reopened after a very long hiatus and menu redo at Disney's Grand Flirting Beach Resort. And they both will pipe in the music for the fireworks. Also, the restaurant on the second floor, which used to be called Flagler's. And for some reason, it hasn't been called that in many years, but that's what it was called when I worked at Disney's Grand Flirting. So that is still what I know it to be is Flagler's. 
also has a great view. I can't disagree with California Grill, and California Grill is one of my favorites, but I just wanted to add those others as honorable mentions, so to speak. She lists for unique experience the Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater. That's at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Again, it is, in fact, a very unique experience. I still happen to think that the Primetime Cafe is the quintessential unique experience at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um, And I love it. Just not going to say anymore. Primetime was actually the very first restaurant I went to on the opening day of Disney's Hollywood Studios. Back then, it was Disney's MGM Studios theme park. I know you guys know that about me already. So that was definitely one of my most favorites. Okay. Um, Upscale in the parks. She says, Le Cellier. I think you guys all know that my upscale in the parks is over at the Japan Pavilion and the Takumite. It's like the most upscale based on price anywhere at Walt Disney World. So that would definitely be my choice over there. Also, let me go back to most unique experience. She picked sci-fi. I think maybe Space 220 is even going to have to overtake primetime for me. I had to give that a second thought. But Space 220 um, is definitely the most unique dining experience. And you will hear someone else say that very same thing in a future episode that is coming up. And then the final one, she says, Chefs de France for the Epcot experience. So... The past two times I have been to Chef de France, I have not had a good meal. Service is slow, which I understand is typical for a French continental restaurant, but I'm just going to say I haven't had a great meal. So I actually think the Epcot experience, and I am discounting Space 220, I'm taking that out right now because I'm just going with the countries because... That is, again, quintessential Epcot experience is the countries. I am going to have to say that that would be uh, the teppanyaki in Japan. We had one of the chefs of teppanyaki actually create a Mickey out of onions and smoke and fireworks, and it was amazing. So that would be my the Epcot experience. I do have to give her a shout out. I wasn't even going to cover this, but for sure, the best brunch ever. She and I are simpatico. It is homecoming. Yes, it is not just the best brunch at Disney. It is the best brunch anywhere, anytime. I will stand by that for always. I mean, anytime you can get to homecoming for brunch, you should do it. And then the only place really for dinner and a show. And in this case, again, I have to agree with Arthur author of the article, and I'm sure AJ of Disney Food Blog is the Hoopty Doo review. And if you've never done the Hoopty Doo, then you should. And if you want to hear more about my hot takes on the best places to go at Disney for Lux Disney. Some of those restaurants that I just mentioned are on that takeaway that you can get. The link is in the show notes and you can get a downloadable PDF of some of those experiences, which I just talked about. Okay, so now we have come to 
The question that was the hardest for me to answer, and I had to uh, bring in my fellow travel advisor, Erin Erdos. Shout out to Erin, because this is really her her thing, is quiet places in the theme parks. She's also good at resorts, but quiet places is like her thing. She calls herself a dork, so she literally will go find these quiet places and work. And we should definitely have her on to do a full episode. But this question was in specifics to the parks because this person who asked this question has a little anxiety and likes to know where can you get away from people. So the first thing I'd like to say is that some of these spots are not air conditioned. And if you're going in the summer Any of these air-conditioned spots that I give you, there's still going to be a lot of people. So my advice is to go early or go late when there are less people in the parks. So that's my first bit of advice. But let's start at Epcot because there are more than one or two at Epcot. So first of all, the brand new Connections Cafe is really big. And I have never had a problem getting a table there and It has outlets, so if you do need to do some work or you just want to escape, that's a great place. It also happens to be very close to the new and improved and large Starbucks, so a good good air-conditioned place to escape. Now, if we're over or if you're over in World Showcase and it's quite a hike to get back up to uh, the Connections Cafe, I think that the best place to hide out is the gardens at Great Britain, near where Pooh's house is. And used to be you could have a character meet and greet with Winnie the Pooh. They have not yet started that. There are some benches and you get shade from the awnings of the merchandise stores that are there. And nobody goes back there anymore because Winnie the Pooh isn't there. And that is just a really good place to just sit and chill. And if you really need to sit and chill, you can get yourself some tea taste test some tea at the tea garden, but you can get yourself some nice refreshments and take it back and sit on a bench and you will be alone. Other recommendations for a quiet place in World Showcase are the Japanese pavilion. They have some koi ponds and there's some shade. There's some decent shade there where you can also escape. Now, I will say at night that same place where you can, quote, escape is an entrance to a restaurant. It's only open for dinner. So a little more iffy there. And then also (laughs) there is a, a hidden plug in Norway, where you come out of the bakery that nobody goes to, everybody skips it. And it's really good bakery, very unique Norway, European treats. And as you exit that on your left, there's a little hidden cove, very small, only one or two people are going to fit in there. And there's a little plug where you can charge your phone. And if you put your heads together and you're charging your phone, you can be left alone because nobody really goes in the bakery. So, and everybody is in line for the ride and the attraction or the restaurant. So nobody's really going to bug you there. So those are my three or my multiple ones at Epcot. Now, 
over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. A great place to escape is by the Muppets. So there's a big fountain. It's far enough from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge that you miss the crowds who are skipping the Muppets altogether and going in there. Also, that show, Muppet Vision 3D, great place to escape from people um, when it's hot outside because, I, for whatever reason, people just hop right past the Muppets on their way to uh, the big Rise of the Resistance ride. And they never make it to Muppetville. And Granimal, is that his name? Granimal? I don't think it is. Who am I thinking of? You guys all know exactly. Okay, we'll just go with Karma and Miss Piggy. Um, They just skip right past that. And Swedish Chef and Beaker are all there. Oh, my God. That movie is so good. Muppet Vision 3D. Um, But there's a Muppet Fountain. That's a great place. And then there's the second floor of Pizza Rizzo. On the second floor there, nobody's ever there. So another great place to hide out, and that is air-conditioned, so the the restaurant. So uh, that's a great hiding place. Also, right by the Starbucks on Sunset Boulevard, there's a bunch of umbrella seating there. It also happens to be right by the Pandora store. So sometimes I will tell my friends that I'm going to hang out in that you know, little bit of shade because of the umbrellas area, why they go ride Tower of Terror and I'll end up in the Pandora store. You know, I just walk right in. It's it just pulls me like a magnet. So another really quiet spot. So that's Epcot and Disney's Hollywood Studios. Disney's Animal Kingdom is actually the easy one because you get off of the safari and you can take the gorilla truck over to where the petting zoo is and where you can learn to draw with an animator. And that train is like the quietest thing ever and nobody is ever on it. I've even been able to do an Instagram live from there. That's how not crowded it is. And once you get over there, you can walk on the paths and nobody is with you. You get to the petting zoo and that's crowded. But then if you go in for the conservation experience and drawing with an animator, that is also air conditioned and quiet and a little escape from all the people. So that is my go-to place to get out of both the heat and the crowds at Disney's Animal Kingdom. That brings us to the Magic Kingdom, which is a lot harder to find a little quiet space. So it very much depends on when you arrive, because what I'm about to suggest will only work in the middle of the day or early enough before the parade. So probably middle of the day. But there is a bench underneath the flagpole right as you enter on Main Street on the opposite side of where Roy sits on the bench. There's another bench that is actually open for you to sit without a photo pass photographer nearby, so no lines. It happens to be conveniently located to the new and improved bakery with the Make Your Own Popcorn Bar. So I like to go and get my popcorn and hang out there. A, it is very sunny, so you can't do that in the summer, but I love to people watch, and that is a great place to people watch because you can see the people as they hit Main Street, and it's pretty awesome. 
Okay, also on Main Street, there is a little side street. Normally, there is a balloon person there that, that kind of clogs it up. And there is a very little-known tap dance studio on the second floor that makes sounds on this side street. So it's always fun to go down there just to listen to that. And there's, like, two little seats with umbrellas. And I say small and that, you know, not, not a lot of people can sit in that area. And if it is occupied, it's occupied. But if it isn't, that is a great place to hang out. Also, in Tomorrowland, the Tomorrowland Terrace, which is open for special events and the dessert parties for the fireworks, but during the day can be a quiet, shaded place to hang out. And I do say can be because it is used for some VIP tour happenings, and some things like that. So you kind of have to watch it. And sometimes it's just uh, roped off. But that's a good place to hide out. Um, Take some rides. The People Mover, great place. You can get a car all to yourself. It's quiet. It does go through air conditioning, but it moves. It's it's a great place to hang out. You get a bird's eye view of everything. So take a ride. Take a ride on the train. Ride the whole loop from Main Street to Main Street or Fantasyland to Fantasyland or, um, yeah. And that's another great place to hide out if, again, it's not the beginning of the day or the end of the day. That's when the train station gets crowded. So that's Magic Kingdom. So I think I kind of covered a few spots in every theme park. Obviously, the real win would be to be a member of Club 33, and there's a Club 33 at every single Disney theme park across the world, and then you could hang out there. Sadly, I don't have any Club 33 connections, so if you're out there listening, anyone, it's on my Disney bucket list. Would love to join you. Say the word, say the time. I'm there. I've got my pass. (laughs) I'm ready to go. Okay, and my final question was one that I love this question. It was super fun to think about and dream about, and so I saved the best for last. And that is, who would be my dream podcast guest? Um, And so, obviously, I'm a Bob Iger or Mickey Mouse, but okay, let's let's go with like realistic maybes. Like if I played Six Degrees of Separation, I could reach out. Um, it would be Color Me Courtney. So shout out, follow Color Me Courtney on uh, Instagram. She's one of my favorite Disney influencers, and she's someone who had a dream and worked very, very hard and made the dream come true and makes it look so easy. But I know how hard it is to create the amount of content that she pushes out. And so I just adore her. And she would be my dream, my dream guest on this pod. She would be definitely right up there. And that is going to be it for my my reader questions today. I would, of course, love to entertain some of yours. So you can hit me up at Instagram at Michelle Visits Mickey. Slide into my DMs. I love that. You know how to reach me. It's all in the show notes. And I would absolutely love to hear from you and answer your question on a future pod. See you real soon. And just like that, this episode is over. Thank you for joining me. 
To ensure that your next vacation is nothing short of divine, I've handpicked my top 10 tips for a luxe Disney experience. Find the link in the show notes. And until next time, stay fabulous.